You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. The mainstream media isn't covering this. This is the sort of politics we need more of. First and then Jane, and then you, okay? I promise I won't take up too much of your time here. My name is Andrew Christensen. Uh, I live at 1212 Twin Ridge Road. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city remove the... Excuse me, I'm trying to... Yeah. Excuse me, sure. come on. I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. From These our are our reasons why. Wait a second. Wait a second. Whoever this that guy is, good. I would like to buy he's, him a beverage. He's pretty good. That was all like class B plus material. Yeah. <laughs> we got to our hearts, though. That's A hey, level hey, coming. I'm, I'm trying to speak yeah. over here. The, the visual of when he says boneless chicken wings and yes. the people in the city council <laughs> audience start cracking up and he walks away from the mic. He's like, hey, come on. Guys, yeah, <laughs> gotta make a point here. We need to remove it from the menus and our hearts. Oh, that's uh, beautiful. This guy looks like a math tutor who could also uh, teach your child clarinet. <laughs> Excellent. Go on, sir. We as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. These are our reasons why. Number one, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. <laughs> Number two, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken, and it's delicious. <laughs> I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo-style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long mm. and we know it because we feel it in our bones <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs> slow clap so is there there's got to be a uh you can't just waste the city council's time you can't i don't what I mean, free speech. I'm Are just you trying implying to... that gentleman's not serious about his his uh, his movement here? I'm just Are you against through... citizens petitioning the government for the redress of their grievances, sir? I'm not upset about it. I'm just kind of curious. I mean, obviously, if you had several people in a row doing comedy bits like that, and somebody over there who, you know, is about to lose their business because the city claims they need a handicap ramp, and you want to get up there and make your argument, you'd be like, all right, hey, you... Muttonheads, why don't you come back next week? I got something serious to talk about here. So, um, how, how do they handle that in city council? Meetings? Michael, could you uh, please uh, put the Constitution on a roll and put it in the bathroom for Mister Armstrong to use? <laughs> you can't. You might. You might say, "Listen, we have serious business." As funny as that was, we really need to stick to that. So, yeah. 
you know, save it for another time. I'm not worried about it. I just wonder how they would handle it. I've been to quite a number of city council meetings. I've never seen anything like that. I've only been to a couple and spoke at one. Um, I've been to several, and that's the best thing I've ever seen at a city council meeting. (laughs) I'll bet it's just because so few people go, it just wouldn't happen that often. Yeah. And, and certainly not of that quality. No, that was really, really good. And the self-imposed two-minute time limit, too, as well. Oh, that's kind of, right. You can only there go is a two time minutes. Limit. There right? is so a time he limit. can't just go up there and filibuster his way around boneless chicken wings. Forever. Well, when I went, because I went a couple of weeks in a row when I was dealing with the homeless situation in, in my town, but um, there was one guy that was there each week, and they knew him by name. Okay, Jim, you're next. And mm-hmm. then he gets up there, and he rambles on about something that's crazy. He's a crazy person. Oh, boy. And you can't not let him ramble on about his thing. So. Not in my country. Sure you can't that was that was a waste of everybody's time and pointless and not funny so you might as well allow the one that is at least entertaining go. right yeah clearly well when the uh academics and the uh the woke and the marxists get their way they will decide whether you can speak or not and <laughs> and if you're engaging in hate speech by challenging their various theories so well that was really good he put some time and effort into that this bit was just a little bit too long lost steam there toward the end Got to build pace. Come on. Come on. I was in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask Lincoln where. Oh, okay. Interesting. Which Abraham Lincoln, is he going to survive? Coming up, I'll have the uh, what they're doing in Washington, D.C. They've got a new board dealing with uh, founding fathers and other historical figures that are going to be removed from Washington, D.C., including maybe the Washington Monument, which will at least require a plaque to explain what a bad guy he was. Um, Lincoln, is he in the clear? No, he's probably absolutely not. Well, I'll have to read this for you. The standards that they're asking historical figures to meet. uh, Nobody met in this country 10 years ago, let alone 200 years ago. Right, right. It's in it's absolutely insane. This doesn't deserve a lot of time, so I'll stuff it in right now. There is a Chinese firm sanctioned for human rights abuses. They're supplying the concentration camps with a lot of their technology. Uh, U.S. Department of Commerce added MEGV to its list of sanctioned entities implicated in human rights violations and abuses in the implementation of China's campaign of repression, mass detention, high technology surveillance against Uyghurs, Kazakhs, and other members of Muslim minority groups, blah, blah, blah. 10% owner of this company? Where is he? Hunter Biden, 10% owner of repressive Chinese corporations. Did you 10%? S- that's that's not small. No, it's not. Wait a minute. Yeah, Hunter Biden's 10% stake. Let's see. And then, okay. The, okay, so there's an umbrella company that they own, which owns the, gotcha. the other company. Okay. So it's one of those uh, downstream a little bit. But if you're doing business in China... You're you're financing repression of human beings. That much is clear. Did you see the story over the weekend? And I can't remember where I read it about the infrastructure that China has built recently for the million people they have in concentration camps there, the Uyghurs. Saw a little bit they, of that. Uh, you know, satellite photos and everything. Yeah, yeah, they seem to have abandoned any attempt to like hide what they're doing. Because mm-hmm. they, they had just... It's like regular towns, and they're claiming, you know, there's schools, and people live and work and play, and there's nothing going on here. But that's it. They've, they've raised some of these towns and just built these big, you know, industrial-looking dorms that look way more like what you'd picture a concentration camp being. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of doing away with any pretense that this isn't just what the world is calling it. Hmm. Another example that she just doesn't care. 
about no. world opinion. No, he actually believes his system is a better way to govern humanity. He's a true believer. They're no longer trying to fool anybody. And the fact that, uh, you know, it's got to be, it's, I, I heard Jonah Goldberg talking about this the other day, and he's Jewish, so he, he was, you know, he has a particular angle on the whole never again idea that came out of the Holocaust, never again. Never again, it's happening right now in all kinds of different places, and at a level in China that it, that dwarfs anything anybody's ever done before mm-hmm. in terms of size, and the world is just kind of, eh. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We're doing business with them. It's China is asshole. They make my iPhone and it's really cheap. So eh, what are you going to do? Glad I'm glad, glad I'm not a Uyghur in China. That's what I'd say. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. The daily news cycle is wearing my hiney out. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, it's 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 getting dumber and dumber for one thing, and more and more repetitive. I mean, CNN, for instance, is gone full on missing Malaysia jet on the COVID. I mean, it's just every second of every broadcast day. Positive, positive. Sean, a thought. I would say that your guys' threshold for that is also higher than the general populace, just because uh, of your they career. Got... And you and there are some days where it's interesting to you guys. So fake it. Is that what you're saying? No, We're I, I, more t- tired of it than the audience, or what? No, I'm saying the what fact is your point? that it has gotten to a rate that has exhausted even you two. Ah, other is, people are really exhausted yeah, yeah. by it. Gotcha. Ah, yeah, okay, now I get it. Sorry, I yelled. I just it's that's what it's just saying. Yeah, worn yeah, my, out. You know it's, how it it's is. the new normal. Yeah, my yeah. wife bailed. <laughs> my wife bailed out of Facebook and like one other thing that she checks regularly for news, just because she's like, ah. Speaking of uh, social media, we became aware, having announced that we'd done a uh, a extra-large podcast with David French, author of a brand-new book called Divided We Fall, America's Secession Threat and How to Restore Our Nation, uh, that a lot of you really don't like French because he's um, he's one of those uh, non-Trump fan Republicans. I'd say. And rather out and proud about it. I will tell you this about old D. French. Uh, He is also a great lover of limited government, liberty, uh, the more local, the better government. You'd agree with them on a lot. Yeah, his book is not uh, about Trump. No, it's about quite the, deliberately. It's about the 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 state of the nation that um, elected Trump and will continue when Trump is gone. Yeah, so uh, it's a rather long interview. We think you'll enjoy it. That's what we call uh, that's why we call it the Armstrong and Getty Extra Large Podcast. But we're going to play a significant chunk of it here. He's talking about a a fairly realistic couple of scenarios where some of the big states in the United States decide we don't want to be part of it anymore. Uh, This is clip 61 with David French. Well, we will govern ourselves in our own state that we've just created out of the top of uh, California and the bottom of Oregon. The the part of your title, it is America's secession threat. Lay out a a Texit or a Cal exit, how that could actually occur. Yeah, so there's two chapters in the book that are they, they're kind of the hinge points of the book. And this, if you read the chapters and you find them chilling, uh, then I've done my job. If you find them far fetched, I haven't. But I have a Cal exit scenario and a Texas scenario in the book. And essentially, what they both hinge on are similar dynamics that existed in 1776 and then in 1861. And that is a powerful geographically cohesive entity that believes that its fundamental values are under threat, even to the point of their lives being under threat. And so in the Cal exit scenario, I have a situation where um, there's been a series of terrible, terrible mass shootings, which leads to a decision from California to implement draconian gun control restrictions that a government constituted of a president who did not win a popular vote, 
and a Supreme Court that has been uh, uh, that has been delegitimized by much of the left in the country re- essentially says to California, you can't do that and triggers a series of cascading overreactions from political fi- uh, figures on the right and the left. And and one of the, the really key points about this is if you look at, uh, for example, if you look at American history and if you look at world history, in fact, what ends up happening is you often have situations that are inherently unstable in the sense that there are huge divisions, there are issues of huge, you know, huge um, – uh, not you know huge divisions politically, religiously, etc. And imagine like you're building a bonfire, you're laying the wood down, you're you're uh, stacking it very neatly, you're maybe putting a little bit of kerosene on it, and all it's lacking is the spark, is the fire, the flame. And when you look around history, often you see the flame is supplied by blundering politicians. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, some folks have described the politicians leading up to the Civil War is blundering. Obviously, the English politicians prior to the American Revolution, many of them were blundering. And so you have these blundering politicians that can supply the spark. And then because of all of this cultural and political and religious division, that spark turns into a roaring flame really fast. And so that's what I'm worried about. I'm very worried about a a level of division that can turn into, um, you know, disruption uh, with extru- with shocking speed. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you chose a a, a specific uh, issue, a, a mass shootings and, and, and the Second Amendment and the rest of it. And it's so intriguing, and I, I'm looking forward to reading it. When we discuss this sort of thing on the radio show, it's usually more, I don't know, maybe the it's unlikely that they abolish the Electoral College, but maybe we get to a situation where the, the coastal populations are so dense, they essentially elect every single president. And Wyoming right. and Idaho and, and similar states uh, increasingly are the subject of urban-centric government. And, and finally, they've had enough. And and some governor, some breakaway governor of Idaho or whatever, says we're encouraging our people not to pay federal taxes. Oh yeah, and if you want them, you're going to have to send in the Marines, and we know you're not going to do that. Yeah, my brother in Ellis County, Kansas, is not going to be okay with being, uh, you know, dictated to by California and New York. They they would never they would never go along with that. Well, you know, the both the Texas scenario in the book is kind of like that. So. If you look at um, the two big fears, left and right, on the left, their fear is minoritarian rule. In other words, they look at things like the Electoral College and the population trends in the Senate, and they say, wait a minute. And the fact that no Republican other than – there's only been one Republican win the popular vote since 88. And they say, wait a minute, this minoritarian – And who was that, David? George W. Bush okay. in 04. <laughs> what are you doing? Let the man speak. Want, I just want to know who it was. <laughs> it was W. So W is the last one to win a popular vote majority. And so there's this real fear, if you talk to a lot of progressives, of minoritarian government. So a minority of Americans dictate how they live. And you talk to a lot of conservative Americans, and they fear majoritarian tyranny. And so, you know, a disruption of these... Um, safeguards against majoritarian tyranny that exist in Constitution and American tradition. In my Texit scenario, a lot of it depends on a government that comes into place, abolishes the filibuster, packs the court, and then this new packed court 
starts really rolling mm-hmm. back individual liberty, which causes a you know governors to say no, no, we we're not we're going to you know the su- Supreme Court has made its ruling now let it enforce it. And that's where the book ends, and we're doomed <laughs> as a country. Actually, the book and the interview go on to propose solutions and ways to fix this, um, which have to do with the stuff I mentioned in the introduction. Uh, more self-governments, more governance, m- more local government, less busybodies deciding they know how everybody should live. That was David French. We were interviewing about his book, Divided We Fall. It took a long time. It took decades of uh, uh, animosity and splits, little by little, growing, growing over over many, many years to get to the Civil War. Where we are now is not good, but are we at like the end of a pendulum swing? And it's gotten crazy, and it's going to start swinging back, or are we just on a trajectory of getting more and more and more divided to where we just don't even won't even talk to people from the other side. There is a we won't giant Mary, we won't we won't live in their states as people start to move around based on their ideologies. There there's a giant difference between that time and this time uh, that I think is significant. Horses. Uh that's correct. Now we have cars. You've you've gotten way ahead of me here. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. When you go to Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. That's not by accident. That's a design technique. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. I was the co-inventor of the Facebook like button. I was the president of Pinterest. Google. Twitter. Instagram. There were meaningful changes happening around the world because of these platforms. I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin. We get rewarded by parts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. A whole generation is more anxious, more depressed. I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. Google it. That is uh, the trailer from the uh, documentary. It's a docudrama, which I'll explain in a moment, uh, called The Social... uh, What? Social Dilemma. Dilemma. I almost said quandary. Yeah. Synonym. Yeah. The Social Dilemma. Uh, Both Sean and I watched it last night. I will tell you this. A lot of the things you heard in that trailer, you might be thinking, yeah, I know that. I know they track me and customize ads and the rest of it. But the we should probably lead with the fact that the people who know the most are the most adamant that social media rot human beings' souls. They are poisonous because they're designed to manipulate you, extend the time you spend on social media at all costs. And the way they do that is by manipulating your psychology and your brain. And they're brilliant at it. But, and as we've been saying, because it's it's obvious, you know, I'm not a software engineer, but uh, I'm kind of a 
student of humankind. And it's obvious from the outside that people are taking in empty calories, the empty calories of social media instead of the enriching, uh, balanced nutrition of real human interaction. And they get really deep into how that works and the effects of it. So that would be the Twitter, Facebook stuff primarily? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. As opposed to what? Google. Well, well yeah, because Google is on there. As about a the search Google, engine. The Google okay. searches, yeah. which is, I don't see uh, as social media. An excellent point. Um, Google comes in for a serious kicking in that it is a huge uh, bubble reinforcement mechanism. Uh, YouTube is also Google. YouTube has a lot mm. of the same uh, mm-hmm. f- feedback loops and reinforcements of likes and shares and stuff like that. And their entire orientation is... All right, what does Joe like to watch? Okay, let's give him more. Let's give him more. Don't give him anything that challenges his thoughts. Just give him more and more of what he wants. All right, that's it. And they point out that, you know, for better, well, no, for worse, uh, people's worldview is now being shaped mostly by uh, Internet-delivered media. And uh, people get their news from social media to a large extent. And so it's it, there are several layers to it. There are several issues that they point out. Uh, from the bubble think to the manipulation, especially of kids' brains, uh, to the detriment of their real-life uh, relationships and the rest of it. But it's it's extremely troubling and brilliantly done. There is a, uh, there is a drama. It's a, uh, I called it a docudrama because it is three-quarters documentary, and then the other quarter is... Watching a family and and the kids in particular uh, go sideways, um, and and reveal their true addiction to social media and their phones, um, the whole endorphins every time you look at your phone thing mm-hmm. really made me take a look at myself too. Yeah, that that's so troubling. And, and I would guess I'm in the the, the more disciplined portion of the the uh, population. I think. Um, well, we both have talked about how it's harder to read a book than it used to be. Oh, yeah. World's I mean, harder. At the very yeah. least. Well, and they talk about the evolutionary uh, psychology of, oh, there's something new. There's something I need to know. And how deep in our brains that is. And how that is deliberately manipulated. And as the one guy said in, in the clip, um, they didn't realize the dark side of the coin. Or at least those people didn't. There are some people who know it and don't care. So, like, the guy who said I was one of the co-inventors of the like button on Facebook, does he no longer work for Facebook and he's talking? Or? Yeah, all these people have Former have employees, yeah. Uh-huh. But the list of people, they're super heavyweights. The director of monetization at, which one was that guy? Oh. F- f- Facebook. Yeah, yeah. He was the guy who, when Facebook exploded, was in charge of figuring out how to make money. So he made... And went to Mark Zuckerberg and said, it's got to be ad-supported. So he helped make Zuckerberg one of the richest people on the planet. Right. The very people who designed uh, Twitter and uh, and um, and Google and Facebook and figured out how to make money and how to get people engaged are saying, essentially, I did a terrible, terrible thing. <laughs> well, and, and some of them are practically Amish in terms of their kids even having a, a smartphone or being on social media. It, it, you, They reacted the same way you would if I said, do you mind if I give Sam a little bit of heroin? <laughs> I know we've talked about that through the years when they've made those statements that they won't allow their kids to have, you know, a smartphone. 
right, and go on the stuff that they created. That mm-hmm. that ought to, How come that's not more of a, a, a prevalent attitude like in schools and stuff? I'm surprised. I'm not aware anyway a way of any um, uh, education against social media and all that sort of stuff. That's that's an interesting point. Your kids are being indoctrinated that they might be a little girl, even though they're a little boy, and uh, and the, the, the racist, anti-racism crap. And getting them ready for the one in a quadrillion likelihood of a school shooter coming in. Right, exactly. But they're not being uh, taught the dangers of social media. I, I suspect that if they were, it would be badly mishandled. I've become a bit cynical about our nation's public schools. Um, you know, worth noting that there are some absolutely terrific uh, teachers out there who who change lives, and God bless you. I admire you a great deal, but uh, you know, as a whole, I think our public school systems are quickly becoming a whole. <laughs> well, what 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 what's the <clears throat> what, what what's the net takeaway from uh, from that documentary? I like. Do they have a conclusion statement or a? Um, like, are they talking about regulating it or just don't do it? Yes, or? actually, yeah, they they call for a great deal of regulation at the very end of it. And and I agreed with some of it. I thought some of it was a little suspect. Um, my takeaway was don't be a pathetic addict. Don't be manipulated and like a puppet on a string. I mean, by these greed heads in Silicon Valley and elsewhere. It is utterly amoral. It's 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 consumptive. It consumes people. It it eats them. It it's like the Nazi war machine or the concentration camps in China. It is utterly without compassion or morals. Did they stumble upon these things? Because they're not all psychologists or anything, are they? That that they knew how the brain was going to react to this stuff. Did they just kind of stumble into this stuff? They they point out one college class that was it. I can't remember Stanford or I don't recall that was all about that very thing. Per- persuasion or uh, manipulating the essentially just human tendencies, um, but uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of the class, but it has something to do with the, it was a, a combo psych business class. How to manipulate people into doing what you need them to do, um, which you know, I, I I think the internet slash social media are as useful as your self control is. They, they, I, I still think there are good things about them, but oh, of course. it is our own inability to to not fall for these, these psychological traps. And, and even not falling is, is not really fair because they are implicitly um, pulling on those strings. Yeah, but, if your brain is wired to do a certain thing, you're not. <clears throat> it's not a weakness that no. you're vulnerable to it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would respond to that because it's true. I agree with you, but. It, it's like saying I should have outrun the lion when the lion is brilliantly designed designed to outrun 85% of the population. Right, well, right, that's right. where it gets difficult. And, and especially, I mean, I'm an adult. I, I had a fully formed self-image consciousness, habits, the rest of it, when social media came along. And my cell phone came along. It, it just buzzed. I don't know. Maybe it's my wife. I love my wife. I'd like to hear from my wife. I want to reach for the phone. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown-ass man, as they say. The kids don't have a chance. <laughs> I'm surprised there haven't been, you know, any, um, you know, just say no to drugs type uh, messaging out of, I don't know, somebody. Who's the most lavish lobbyist in Washington, D.C. over the last several years? 
That's true. I mean, there was Google was number one at one point. The tech companies own so many politicians. That's what, so it would be closer to cigarettes than yes. than drugs because yes. I mean there wasn't yes. anybody lobbying to uh, to say no, nah, don't say anything bad about pot or coke or anything like that. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah, the um, cartels <clears throat> might have, but they weren't very effective. Um, but but tobacco did for a long, long time before you know society was able to break through that. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh it's 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 an amazing show though. It's really really informative and I urge you to watch it. It was funny. I tweeted that last night. A bunch of people said I just canceled Netflix because of the cuties movie. <laughs> um Now you told me to watch it. Wait a second. Yeah, well I didn't tell anybody Mixed to cancel their, their Netflix. It just <laughs> you know although I appreciate the activism, I appreciate people standing up for their beliefs, but Netflix is an enormous platform that has everything from inane cartoons I wouldn't let my children watch to incredibly sophisticated documentaries and oh, everything yeah. in oh, between. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't I'm not really a, I'm not on Facebook, so I don't have that. And I really only am into Twitter for our, our work. But I am certainly susceptible, as everybody is, to the funneling of information that, you know, points me a certain direction because you can't really get away from that. Yeah. It's starting to really bother me how much my wife and I are looking at our phones. And, you know, we're going to probably have another conversation about that. Um, but it's it's everything. It's like texts from golf buddies about putting a game together or... so. Okay, so let's talk about something perfectly legitimate and wholesome. You're having a meeting for your group that gets money to, to unwed mothers or whatever. Um, that helps uh, poor little kids uh, have school clothes. Something completely wholesome. If you're getting inputs all the time and always looking at them and always going away from what you're doing, what you're thinking about, you know, the conversation you're having, interacting with your spouse, your child, looking at the roses, smelling the roses, whatever. I think that's bad. And that's like the first of six layers of nasty involved in uh, mobile phones, social media, call it whatever you want. The never ending input culture is a term i just spat out i don't know we need a, a, a term that encompasses all of that i know yeah, yeah a person will interrupt uh, interrupt their attention toward their spouse or their kid or whatever in a way that you would never allow if that human being actually came into your house or your office or something right somebody with a minor thing hey i'm talking to my son or my wife or whatever right you just came by to tell me hey we're gonna meet at noon tomorrow save that for later yeah i'm in, a, <laughs> I'm in the middle of a conversation you just spewed that out so you would never allow that but you go ahead and look at it right in the middle of your you know to get that information like and i know important. we need to take a break but i'm trying to figure out how to manage it in my own life um and and again i'm 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 not that worried about me i'm not that worried about my wife and our family although i do i do worry about my kids my youngest kid in particular because the whole internet approval cute girl on Instagram applying a filter. Oh, they get into the teenage girl suicide oh, rates boy. Oh, boy. and the preteen suicide rates. Great, Scott. That alone. Uh, the, you know, with all due respect, I don't know why I always throw in this uh, this uh, disclaimer, because I think y'all know this. Uh, I, I believe that the bad cops should be rooted out and fired or prosecuted or whatever. Um, and anybody who, who gets treated badly by the police, no matter their color, has a legitimate grievance. But the number of little girls who've killed themselves 
is hundreds and hundreds of times the number of unarmed black guys who've been shot by the cops. Maybe thousands of times. I got to get a hold of those statistics. And it's skyrocketing. Why is there no national conversation about that? That's interesting. All right, we need to take a break. I've ranted um, long enough. Yeah, some people polls. check their phones five times during my. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. Gonna throw this <laughs> phone across the <laughs> room. Probably a good idea. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. I uh, clearly left the gecky the ge- the gecko tank open last night when I fed the gec- gecko. Oh no! They called it. His name is Gecky. The yes. animal is a gecko. Yes. Somehow. Oh, and he's out. He got out. Oh. So when I gave him his crickets last night, I must not have closed the door, and so he got out. So Freedom. he's somewhere. You don't have indoor cats, do you? All your cats are uh, ratters. Um, the cat is let in now and then. We have oh, two pugs in the house. I told my wife, I said, "You got to get the dogs out." I said, "That's number one," because that's oh, we don't end badly. Yeah. Ever mm-hmm. tell you about the time we uh, cat sat for my my f- parents' mm-hmm. dear friend, and you sat on a cat? No, we 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 tended to the cat, and uh, and it got into my sister's room where her guinea pig resided. Oh, oh my god! The guinea pig only lost. It's head. Oh, <laughs> that's terrible. I don't think that's funny. I was just shocked by your story. Um, uh, I, uh, trust and me. I don't mean it, it became uh, uh, emotionally unglued. It, uh, yeah, no, l- we, more literally. How, we tracked with you, Joe. Yeah, okay, sorry. How old sorry. was your sister at the time? Because that makes a uh, difference. I'm guessing 12. Uh, yeah, see, that's the thing is I just... Uh, maybe 10. I'd have know, to we, ask we, her. We put down, trust me, she knows the date. <laughs> We put down our big dog a couple of weeks ago, and Henry was upset over that. And if I let of his course. gecko die, uh, that is not going to be a good uh, parenting move right there. How the heck did I leave the door open? I put the crickets in there and forgot to latch it, I guess. I think he, oh, I don't. Th- I doubt I left it open, but by, it was probably closed, but I think he pushed it open because it wasn't latched. Powerful why gecko. Is he, why is he trying to escape? I gave him a whole bunch of crickets. I think maybe to... There's nothing on the outside you're not getting on the inside. You got a heated he, rock. He, he doesn't know that. You got crickets. You got a right. heated rock. It doesn't get any better. The cricket's always juicier on the other side of the glass, as they say. I think uh, to help the family move on, there ought to probably be a trial, a liability trial, <laughs> and I would be more than delighted to serve as judge. Wow. And then a punishment of some sort? Needless to say. Do all geckos look alike? That species is... You th- you're thinking about the old switcheroo? That's yeah. pretty good right there. Only problem would we got a discount on this one because he had a bent foot. Oh. oh. Discount Geckos is my... Well, what kind of pop punk band? <laughs> so I either got to find one with a bent foot or get one with straight feet and bend one of the feet. Those are if you need a guy, I know oh, a guy. Oh, that's troubling. I kid. Wow. Um... Good Lord. No, he he really liked the one that had a bent foot because he thought it was special, and he's right. got problems, so that, that meant something I to totally him. totally so. get that. No, me, me oh. allowing Gecky to die would be a really big deal in our household. Uh, God, I... No, man. Where is he? You didn't allow it to... I, I, I reject the framing of that. You you made a mistake, and something... That led bad, to... Yes. I'm, how do they look at that in the courts? Uh, willful well, negligence? Negligence. No, negligence. it's not willful. 
It's not. It, it, there was no wanton disregard for Gecky's life. In fact, you know, I think, uh, you know, your statements of the past would indicate the opposite. That it was an unfortunate but accident. Negligence, uh, human, which, human negligence, but... You can get hit pretty hard for negligence. Yeah, depending on the case. Hmm. Yeah. And this one, we're going for maximum. Any, just, you know, I'll Deep throw it pockets. out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you know about, you got lizards, you're a lizard person, you're wearing a cut-off black t-shirt right now. You um, wish you had a snake, but you can't afford you one. You wish you had a girlfriend, but you, so you know something yeah. about lizards. <laughs> anyway, if a lizard gets loose, where are they likely to hide? Where do they go? Do, you, do they always end up in the closet or under clothes or in the bed? Or is there a place that they yeah. tend to be? Yeah. If you know that, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. The thing will seek out warmth, no doubt. I don't know how that helps you. Can it climb up the wall and end up like on the windowsill? We have hot and cold running lizards in our backyard. It's really quite astounding. They're all over our back wall because our house is stucco. Um, there are lizards everywhere. It's really, it's quite the lizard paradise. So any of you lizard owners, you don't have to go to work. So just oh, take the time to text me. Again, wow. You need help from these people. Wow. Wow. The thumb in the eye as they reach out to hand a friendship. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.